want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Galatians as we step into week two of our series through this important letter written by the Apostle Paul to a group of churches in the region of Galatia. And as we do that, I don't know if you spent yesterday, much like I did, reflecting on it being the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. I remember where I was when all of that transpired. I remember leaving an 8 o'clock college class and coming back to my dorm room and turning the TV on and seeing the second plane hit the tower there. You know, the reality is for us, the day is filled with a lot of memories. And yet also it's filled with a tremendous amount of stories. Stories of regular, ordinary, everyday people doing extraordinary things. The story of Todd Beamer on Flight 93 as he led the charge to take back that plane that was no, light, no doubt headed towards somewhere in Washington, D.C. to crash. The firefighters, police officers who laid their lives down as they went in to the burning buildings to grab people out. And, and I'll just say, as a pastor in this community, we don't thank our first responders enough for the sacrifice that they make day in and day out. And so if you are here and you are a firefighter, you are an EMT, you are a police officer, I just want to say, as your pastor, thank you for serving us so well day in and day out. So yesterday for me, on one hand, watching college football, which in the fall is something that I always do, but then on the other hand, reading stories or watching stories or even having college football integrate stories of those who either lost their lives or those who were survivors of 9-11. And, you know, it was interesting for me because the message this morning is a message about a story. And as we reflect on 9-11, as we think about 20 years ago, knowing what terrorists did in this country, what we are going to see this morning in Galatians chapter 1 is the story of a terrorist whose name was Saul, who was persecuting Christians, who was seeking to put them to death, what we're going to read this morning is his story of meeting Jesus Christ. And I want to remind us that there is no person too far that Jesus Christ can't save. And so as we read the text this morning and as we walk back through it together, as we unpack what is here in the text, I want us to be reminded of the reality that if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you too have a story. You have a story of how Jesus Christ has transformed your life. This today is the story of how Paul's life was transformed by the gospel. So I want to read for us beginning in verse 11 and walking down through verse 24 of Galatians chapter 1. This is what Paul writes. For I would have you know, brothers, 
that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then when I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ, they only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. You would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, and I encourage you to do that, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together. And it's this truth. The gospel message is unchanging. But its impact on our lives produces a unique story that glorifies the Lord. I don't know if you remember, if you were here this past week, if you weren't, you can always go back and listen to the previous week's message on our website or on Facebook. But if you remember last week, Paul was very harsh initially as he's writing this letter to this group of believers, these churches that were spread throughout Galatia. Paul, in this moment, writing to this group of believers, is concerned for them that they are turning their back on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he is reminding them that there is only one true gospel. There is only one way that we can be saved from our sins, to be redeemed, to be brought in relationship with our Heavenly Father. And there were those who were seeking to come into the churches in Galatia and to lead the people astray. And Paul is hammering them at the beginning to remind them that they must remain firmly fixed on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We said that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms our lives. It is the foundation for the Christian life that we are called to live. And what I love about Paul's letter is that instead of Paul continuing to hammer them on this issue, Paul takes a step back. 
And he simply reminds them of his gospel story. How did the gospel of Jesus Christ transform his life? And as we walk through the text this morning, my hope and my prayer is that for you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, you would once again go back to the moment when Jesus Christ transformed your life. That you would rewind the tape of however many years it's been since that moment transpired. You would remember what Christ has done for you. And maybe this morning you are not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've not yet taken that step of trusting him as your savior. And for you, maybe today is the beginning of the story of how the gospel of Jesus Christ has transformed your life. So for Paul in this moment, he writes beginning in verse 11, and as we walk through 11 through 14, I want you to notice this truth. The first one, the gospel message is delivered through special revelation. Notice in verse 11, Paul writes, after he has chastised the believers, after he has called them to turn away from the false gospel, to turn back to the one true gospel, he says to them, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. We're going to find out later that this was an accusation that was leveled against Paul, that for him, there were some who were coming into these churches and were saying, you know, Paul has simply contrived this gospel message that he's preaching to you. This is not the true gospel message. He's not giving you the full story. He's not giving you all the details that you need to know. There's still yet more that you need to grasp and understand. There's still yet more that you need to add to what Paul is preaching. And Paul simply says here, I want you to know that this gospel message is not man's gospel. This was not contrived by man. I didn't sit in a room with a group of believers and decide, hey, this is the way we ought to preach the gospel. Paul says that's not it at all. In fact, in verse 12, he says, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, as we talk about special revelation, that's an interesting term in theological circles because you have two types of revelation, God revealing himself to mankind. One is general revelation. And we see that play out in creation. He highlights that reality that for us, we simply can look at the stars, we can look at the planets, we can look at the cosmos and realize that there must be something beyond just us. In fact, Psalm 19 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. And Paul says here that everybody's able to see that, but what he's talking about is a special revelation. So when we get to that point, we move beyond just general revelation that everyone can see, and we go to specifically how God has revealed Now, for us as believers, we look and recognize that God has revealed himself to us through his word. 
God's special revelation. If we want to know what God is like, we want to know how God operates, we want to know how the message of the gospel transformed lives, we simply need to go to the scriptures to find that out. And Paul here is saying, who is writing part of the New Testament when he's writing this letter, he says, I received this gospel message through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 13 He says, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Now, at that moment, if you go back into Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9, you realize that Paul, who was called Saul at that point in time, was at the forefront of doing everything possible to stamp out Christianity. So the gospel of Jesus Christ from Acts chapter 2 up until Acts chapter 8 has spread like wildfire. People are meeting Jesus. Their lives are being transformed. The church is growing. People are continuing to spread the message of hope. And at this point in time, Saul says, we got to stop this. In fact, it was Saul who was standing there when Stephen, one of the first martyrs in the church, was killed. He was holding the coats of those who were throwing the stones. When Paul here says, I was leading the charge, he's not being coy. In fact, if you want to really dial it in, Saul, Paul who's writing this, was a terrorist to the church. He was doing everything he could to stop what Christ had instituted and brought forth. In fact, as we see here, he says, I persecuted the church of God violently and I tried to destroy it. But he met Jesus. He met Jesus. He saw Jesus' face face. In fact, on the road to go and to kill believers or imprison them, if he could do that, whatever it took, on the road, in fact, he meets Jesus Christ. This terrorist of the church meets Jesus face to face. And I don't know about you, but in that moment, you have to wonder, why didn't he just take him out? I mean, he could have. I mean, Jesus Christ could have spoken and just simply said, you're done. You're dead. But he doesn't. In fact, he offers him grace and mercy. He offers a new life in Christ to him. As we think about that, what about your story? Do you remember when you first heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and responded to it? I remember that story in my life. I like to joke, I grew up in the church. The only drug problem I had was my parents drug me to church. And so from the earliest point that I can remember, I was plugged in, I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, but at the age of eight years old, at a summer camp, my pastor sat down with me and shared the gospel. And ask simply the question, Michael, if you died today, 
Would you spend eternity with Jesus? And for me, that was the moment I realized that I needed my life to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was my Damascus Road experience like Saul experienced here and he writes about. My pastor simply unpacked God's word for me. God's special revelation of himself, of who Jesus Christ is and what he can do in our lives. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that's the same message that you responded to. There is only one gospel message. There is only one true gospel. It's salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. That's the only way that any of us can be saved from our sins and brought into relationship with our heavenly father. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's what you responded to. You receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe for you this morning, you've not yet taken that step. And this is a moment for you right now to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you are a sinner who is separated from God because of your sin. And there's not a thing that you can do in your own strength and your own power to clean yourself up enough so that God looks at you and says, yep, I'll take you. And you look at that and you think, gosh, that's really depressing. And it would be except for the fact that he sent his very son to this earth to lay his life down, to take our sin upon himself, to pay the debt that we owed. So that we could be forgiven of our sins and brought in to the family of God. If we will trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. So you cannot walk away today saying, I've never heard about the special revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Because you just heard that. The question, if you've never responded to that, is will you respond to that today? Paul says, verse 14, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own people. Extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Until he met Jesus. As we look, beginning in verse 15, the gospel message, this is the second truth. The gospel message is intended for bold proclamation. Notice verse 15, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, listen to this, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. At this point in time, Paul is saying to the believers here, he's saying, I saw Jesus face to face, the special revelation of who Jesus Christ is, and I received him as my Savior, and God's plan for my life is not simply that I would receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, that I would be bold to proclaim what Jesus Christ has done in my life. So here's the thing for us. If we're followers of Jesus who are gathered here this morning, Jesus Christ has transformed our lives. The calling that God places on our lives as followers of Jesus is that we would proclaim what Christ has done in us. I say this to you week in and week out that you very well may be the only missionary 
that people that you work with or live next to encounter. You say, Pastor, I'm, I'm not a missionary, though. That's where the rub comes in. Because the reality is every single one of us are. Every single one of us have been called, if we're a follower of Jesus, to share what Christ has done in our lives. And Paul here says that very specifically, that he received the gospel message. He trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And God's plan and purpose for Paul was that he would boldly proclaim the gospel to everyone he encountered. What's beautiful is we see that play out in his life. In fact, you look and you could say Paul was the greatest missionary that the church has ever seen, and that's very true, but oftentimes Paul simply lived out his life and shared the gospel. In fact, he'd go into a city and he would support himself by tent making and he would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. People would come to faith in him and oftentimes he'd get thrown into prison and in prison, what did Paul do? Well, God called him to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what did he do? Everybody's a captive audience in prison. What better opportunity than to share the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ? But let me ask you that question. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, where do you go week in and week out where you encounter people who don't know Jesus Christ and the calling that God has placed on your life and on my life is wherever we go, we boldly proclaim what Christ has done in our lives. I hear the objections now that are maybe rolling through your head. You say, Pastor, I, I, I don't know everything. Me either. You say, yeah, but what if they ask me a question that I don't have the answer to? That's all right. You can simply say something like, I'll get back to you on that. You say, but what if they treat me differently as a result of sharing the gospel with them? They might. You say, but I, I don't know the scriptures like maybe I should. So, so what, do, what do I say? And here's what I love about Paul's example here. Why don't you just tell them your story? Why don't you tell them your gospel story? Tell them the story of how Jesus Christ transformed your life. You don't have to be an expert in the scriptures to be an expert in how Christ transformed you. And oftentimes that's the best route to share the gospel with someone is simply say, hey, let me tell you how Jesus changed my life. Let me tell you where I used to be and where I am today. And let me tell you when... The moments come that should be crushing on me. And you ask a question of why do I still have peace in this moment? Let me, let me tell you why I have that peace. Let me tell you what Jesus Christ has done in my life. For Paul in this moment, he says that the gospel message was intended for bold proclamation. For us to simply share what Christ has done in our lives. Every single believer can do that. He says, beginning in verse 16, he was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. He says, I did not immediately consult with anyone, specifically speaking there to the accusation that he had manufactured some man-made gospel. Paul says, I didn't consult with anybody. I didn't go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. In fact, we find out that he went away 
into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Paul spent about three years, I think, reconciling for himself that he was once a terrorist to the church and now he was about to be the biggest proponent of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then beginning... Verse 18, after three years, he went to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, and remained with him 15 days. He saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. I love the parentheses here. I'm not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And he says in verse 22, and this is where we find the third truth in our text this morning, the gospel message is geared towards divine glorification. He says, I was unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Notice verse 24. And they glorified God because of me. You know, as we think about our story, our story of meeting Jesus Christ, our gospel story, if you're a follower of Jesus, is simply one story woven into a tapestry of God's work in this world. So here's the thing. Your story is incredibly, extremely important to you and to those in your circle of influence. But I want you to be reminded that you and I are not the point of the story. And that's what Paul is hinting at here because the accusation is being leveled against him that he's manufactured this whole story and this whole gospel message so that he would be in the spotlight, so that he would have notoriety. And what he says here is, I don't need any of that. I'm here to glorify one person, and that is the Lord. So for you and I as followers of Jesus gathered here this morning, may we be reminded as Paul reminds us in the text this morning, the story is not about us ultimately. Ultimately, we're just a small part of the story of what God is doing in this world. We should play our part well, but ultimately he is the one who receives the glory. I want to ask you, if you would, to bow your heads with me and close your eyes. And As we reflect on the text this morning, as our worship team comes back up, we have an opportunity to respond. Maybe you're here this morning, and for you, you have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, what Christ has done for you. But the reality is you've never responded by faith to that. You've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've never taken the opportunity to place your faith and trust in Him for salvation. And today is the day you have an opportunity to do just that. You heard Paul's story this morning of how he met Jesus Christ. Today can be the beginning of the story of how you met Jesus. And maybe your question is, how, how do I do that? How do I take that step this morning, Pastor? 
It's as simple as the ABCs. It's as simple as A, admitting that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Admitting that you can't save yourself. And then B, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to this earth, who lived a sinless and perfect life and paid for your sins as he laid his life down on the cross. And you believe that he didn't stay dead, but in fact he rose again on the third day, making it possible for us to be forgiven of our sins and brought in relationship with our Heavenly Father. And then see, you simply confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Admit, believe, confess. You have an opportunity in the next few moments we have together to do just that, to respond this morning to the gospel message. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus this morning. You have taken that step. And today you've been reminded of how your story began. In the same way that we can go back and remember the details of what happened 20 years ago on 9-11, you can go back this morning and remember the details of hearing the gospel message and responding by faith. Whether you are a child or a teenager or an adult, you heard the truth of who Jesus was and you responded. In that moment, Jesus Christ transformed your life. But I want you to know he didn't save you for you to sit and to soak and to sour. He saved you so that he could send you into your sphere of influence, your workplace, your neighborhood, your school, so that he could send you with the greatest message that has ever been proclaimed, who Jesus Christ is. Maybe this morning for you, you need to make the commitment that at some point this week, you're going to share your story, your story of how Christ changed your life. You're going to share that with someone. And this morning, you want to ask God for the boldness to do that. Father, we ask this morning that you would work in our hearts and our lives for the one who's far from God today. That you would save them from their sin through Jesus Christ, what he's done on their behalf. For the believer that's here, that you have already appointed an opportunity for this next week for them to share their story with someone. Would you give them the boldness and the courage to share what Christ has done in their life? God, use us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and would you sing? If you need to respond this morning, our altar's open. We'd love to pray with you, encourage you however we can. You come as the Lord leads.